they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday. Uh, today is the 11th of December, the second Friday of Advent, and tomorrow is the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Not that anybody would ever forget that, but oh, I just yeah, want to make sure you know. By the way, she is the Empress of the Americas. Yes. So she is our queen. Not just for Mexico, it's the all America. All America, yeah, yeah all the Americas. So we'll uh, look at today's gospel, which is from Matthew 11, mm-hmm. and uh, Jesus says... Um, I'll read it from the actual uh, Roman Missal here so that the translation is the same. <laughs> Jesus said to the crowds, To what shall I compare this generation? It is like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. We sang a dirge, but you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, mm. and they said, He is possessed by a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by her works. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I love that last line. Wisdom is vindicated by her works. Oh, boy. Yeah, wisdom. So we have this this reality going on, and Father talked about this today. He said, so we don't like the message. So instead of changing our lives to conform to the message, we condemn the messenger. Exactly. So the children are in the streets and they're playing and they have this little game. And so we pipe you a dirge and you're not dancing. And we pipe you a, a song and you're not dancing. And I sing you a dirge and you're not, and you're not, um, and you, I mean, I sing mourning. you a dirge yeah. and you're not mourning. Yeah. And, and then uh, instead, you, so, so you're saying to your playmates, no, I don't like your song. I'm not going to dance to it. Or I don't like the dirge. I'm not going to weep. You know, it's like, well, well, you know, what do you want? I, and that not that true? Oftentimes in our own lives, we want it our way. And instead of going to God and saying, okay, Lord, change my heart so it's in conformity to you, we say, Lord, look, would you just change your plans so that they fit my, my agenda? <laughs> and we do this to other people too. Mm-hmm. Look, just change your plans so they fit my agenda. My agenda's first. I'm the most important one. I'm number one. Well, wait a minute. What was the first commandment? Uh, something about, I am the Lord your mm-hmm. God, you shall not have strange gods before me. Mm-hmm. So no one, not even your spouse, should be before God in your life. God should be first in all of our lives. God sh- must be first in our lives. He is God and we are not. No human creature is God. By the way, the devil's not God. The devil's just a creature. He has no power except what God gives him. Amen. So, um, you know, just ask St. Joseph to drive him away and... Um, but, but the thing is, we have to be aware of what God is calling us to do. And then we have to be willing to change our lives, to, to, go, to go along with God's plan and not, not conform just to our own. You know, and, and the deal is, Jesus Christ is the wisdom of the Father. He is the wisdom of God in a, in a very real sense. And he teaches us. And, and what is wisdom? I mean, wisdom is to know the ways of God. And of course, Jesus Christ knew the ways of God. <laughs> you know, he, he was united to God. He is, he is God-man. 
And so he's teaching us what are the ways of God. And the ways of God, of course, are that, that tremendous concern for one another that um, don't make excuses, don't blame other people, don't um, say, look, I don't like the commandments of God, so can't we just change them? You know, it, sometimes people say things like, well, you know, why does the Catholic Church have all these laws about marriage? I don't see that in the Bible. Well, honey, first of all, you wouldn't have the Bible if it weren't for the Catholic Church. And not everything that Jesus said and did is written in the Bible. And there is a living tradition within the church with a capital T that was given and revealed by Jesus Christ. So the full revelation of God is in the, in the second person of the Blessed Trinity that made man, the second person and whom we call Jesus Christ, this is the God-man, and that's the full revelation of, of God. And so the Word of God is first and foremost the person, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. And so there's more to listen to than just the words of Scriptures. There's nothing in Catholic teaching that contradicts Scriptures. And, and for instance, with marriage, you know, we, we don't like the church's teaching on marriage, so we're telling the church she should t- change it. Well, wait a minute, what's, what's the problem here? Again, you know, the church is singing us a song of joy, and we're saying we don't like that song of joy. We mm. want a different song. Right. We have a different kind. We want just titillation and human happiness. Or, and it's like, no, the church gives us what Christ taught. And, and she cannot change the teaching of Christ. It's not for her to teach what Jesus taught. She can't do that. And so when the church set up laws regarding marriage, it's because marriage affects all of society and the whole church. It's the basis of society. But God himself is the one who founded marriage. He created it. He's the one who created man and woman in the beginning and gave Adam, gave Eve to Adam as his wife. God is the one who made marriage. Male and female, he made them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. And to the man, he said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Union and procreation. God made them to go together in marriage. But we don't like that song, do we? We want to change that song. He's like, no, I get to live with somebody just because I want to live with them. And I've, I've said to my heart, well, I married you. So now we're married and I get to live with you. And it's like, no, honey, that's not, you know, engaging in conjugal activity doesn't, doesn't make you married. That's not what constitutes a marriage. The marriage is that bond where two people freely give themselves to each other in fidelity and faithful love. That means that they're faithful to the laws of God. And the laws of God, thou shalt not commit adultery, the sixth and ninth commandment, the one you said that you know YouTube didn't like you for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, no, you know what? They still stand. The sixth and ninth commandments. You can't not only can you not sin with your body, you're not supposed to sin in your heart with the thoughts. We're supposed to guard our thoughts. And so we may not like what Jesus teaches us. But we need to pray for the grace to be conformed to what God shows us. Because it's not we who are going to get ourselves to heaven. And this is where, you know, wisdom is vindicated by her works. When we follow the ways of God, we'll get to heaven. But when we decide that we're going to dictate to God that he needs to change his ways because we wanted a different way. The church needs to change her rulings on marriage because I don't want to follow them. Well, you know what? That's not going to get us to heaven. And you know the funny thing about that? It not only will not get us to heaven, it will never never bring us true happiness in this world. We will never be truly happy 
apart from God. Truly have joy. Now, we can find a certain amount of human happiness, a certain amount of titillation. We can live a distracted life where we never have to really think about our final end. But wisdom is knowing that we were made by God and we were made for union with God. And that's what we strive for first. We strive for that union with God. Somebody once said, you know, tell your, tell, you, tell your young people who aren't married, look, don't be looking for a spouse. Look for Jesus. Follow Jesus. And then after you, you're following Jesus and you're set strong on that path, look around and see who's standing beside you or very near you. And then you will find a spouse who is a godly person who will help you because in marriage, we're supposed to help each other get to heaven. So if we don't follow the laws of God, we won't be helping each other get to heaven. And wisdom will be vindicated by her works. When we follow God's law, we find true happiness. We find absolute, the, 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 the heights of joy that can be found on this, this side of heaven. True happiness and complete joy, perfect joy, is only in heaven. And, and, but, but on this earth, we can have tremendous joy. And even in the midst of suffering. And so we need to listen to God's word and we need to be ready to follow the Lord wherever he leads and not be telling him and the church, I don't like what you teach. You need to change it. No, God is gently saying to us, no, honey, let me change your heart. Let me show you the way I have for you to walk. It is beautiful. I have a way for you to walk that is union with me. The Lord is telling us. He wants us to walk in union with him. And so this is what we strive for. And that's why we, you know, in these readings during Advent, they're, they're very specific to the time because, you know, the first reading is from the book of Isaiah. And the Lord, the Lord, our Redeemer says, I, the Lord, your God, teach you what is for your good and lead you on the way you should go. If you would hearken to my commandments, your prosperity. Parity would be like a river and your vindication like the waves of the sea. Your descendants would be like the sand and those born of your stock like grains. Their name never cut off or blotted out from my presence. So the, the first reading is telling us, it's giving that insight into what Jesus is talking about. Wisdom is vindicated by her works. When we follow the way of the Lord, we find that joy and we find God's blessing and the truth of his ways and we find peace so we're not going to find peace and joy by rejecting God. Wake up, everybody. We need to come back to the Lord. Yeah, and that's why we're going to be talking about St. Joseph when we come back from the break. I want to welcome you to the year of St. Joseph. Never in 2,000 years has the church ever done this, dedicating the year to St. Joseph. And we're going to cover a lot of material here on his life and why we should all have a devotion to St. Joseph. We're also going to talk about how to gain the plenary indulgences for the year of St. Joseph, and on some practical levels, what we can do to help foster a great love for St. Joseph. Father Don Calloway wrote a book, 33 Days to Consecration through St. Joseph, and has given us much added information on the life of St. Joseph. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers, and when we come back, we'll jump right in. Uh, 
Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers here on this um, Friday, the 11th of December in the season of Advent. So we want to talk about St. Joseph today. And of course, this is Bible with the Barbers. So we want to look at a biblical perspective. And of course, we understand the Bible didn't just drop out of heaven. So everything isn't in the Bible. The church is the one who is the authentic interpreter of Scripture. And it is um, for the church to tell us what it is that, that, that the Scripture actually means. We need to have the church to help us understand the Scriptures. And if it weren't for the church, we wouldn't have the Scriptures because it was the, the bishops of the church who declared which particular books were actually canonical. And this was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because God gave the church this charism. So we have in the Gospel of Matthew um, the birth of Jesus Christ. Okay, so beginning in Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to send her away quietly. But as he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had borne a son. And he called his name Jesus. So Joseph is there. Um, Mary has not revealed to him the, the nature of her pregnancy. But it becomes evident that she's pregnant after a certain amount of time. It, you know, when you're pregnant, the baby begins to, it begins to show that the baby's growing inside of you. And we have um, some, you know, Pope Leo Thirteenth wrote a letter called, called quam, quam Quam Plurias, Q-U-A-M, Q-U-A-M, P-L-U-R-I-S. It's on devotion to St. Joseph. And it's, it's a very, actually very short. It's not a real long letter. But he, he's instructing us as to um, what the church understands about Joseph and his position. And then Pope John Paul II wrote a letter called The Guardian of the Redeemer, which is much longer. That's 22 pages. And um, beautiful, beautiful reflections on St. Joseph. And we look to the scriptures for these reflections. It's not, the church isn't making things up out of thin air. So what do we have here with Joseph? Joseph is betrothed to Mary. Now, if you read the Annunciation account in Luke, you begin to get a fuller picture. Because in Luke, when the angel comes to Mary um, and he says to her, and Mary's betrothed to Joseph, and he says, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. And he tells her, You will have a son. 
And she's like, well, how can this be? I know not man. Mm-hmm. Well, that answer by Mary is a very clear indication that she was intended to remain virginal in her marriage. And this is what the church has always taught. And the, that's why the angel tells her then, well, it's not, you're not, it's not through the marital act that you, you'll conceive. It will be through the Holy Spirit. But in order for Mary and Joseph to have a true marriage, Mary had already had to have told Joseph before they were betrothed that, that she intended to remain a virgin. And he had to agree to that. So already Mary and Joseph have both agreed that they are going to have a virginal marriage. So here Joseph has a dilemma. He's already agreed that he and Mary are going to live a virginal marriage. And now, after they're engaged, after they're actually betrothed, this is, this is actually the marriage contract was written up. Um, she just hasn't lived in his household yet. She's found with child. So it's interesting because uh, Father William Wagner of the Orders Canon Regular Holy Cross, he gave a, an hour talk on the trial of St. Joseph. Mm-hmm. And he explained, you know, the key to understanding this passage is it says that Joseph was a just man. And an interesting thing about a just man, a just man is one who does the will of God perfectly. He's perfectly attuned to the will of God. He's always listening for God to lead him, okay, looking for God to lead him, and he follows God's, God's lead. And so when a just man is faced with contradictory evidence, he will not draw a conclusion based on contradictory evidence. So what would happen? They say, you know, everybody nowadays says, oh, Mary was an unwed mother and, and she was pregnant. And, you know, and, and Joseph would have, he was angry and would have suspected her of, and as a matter of fact, in one movie they did about it, that's they show Joseph having a dream where he's just furious and he's tearing everything apart. Well, a couple of things are happening here. Number one, the angel doesn't say, don't be angry, Joseph. The angel says, don't be afraid, Joseph. Mm. So what does Joseph discern? What's going on here? Joseph looks at Mary, he knows she's holy. He's, he's married to her. He knows this woman. He knows her holiness. And so would he have considered the possibility of adultery? Sure. I mean, that's always a possibility. But anybody can fall into sin, right? As far as we know. So he would have considered that. But looking at her evident holiness and the peace that she has in the Lord, which has not departed from her, he has to reject that possibility. She is not pregnant because she's committed adultery. Well, she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. She was a long way away. Was she attacked? Did somebody violate her? And again, her peace, her calm, her evident joy in the Lord shows that no, this isn't a possibility. So he has to reject that. So he's left with one possibility, which is beyond the realm of human understanding, a pregnant virgin. Mm. But Joseph knows the prophecies. Remember, God has chosen Joseph to be the foster father of his son and to be the guardian of the virgin. So God would have prepared him. He would have known scripture very thoroughly because he would have been thoroughly prepared by grace and by study to know what was, what was expected of the Messiah. What, what were the prophecies about the Messiah? And the Messiah was to be born of a virgin. And here is Joseph. And he's got a pregnant virgin on his hands. <laughs> and it's like, well, wait a minute. I, this is God's work. I, and so he doesn't want to expose Mary to shame. But at the same time, he's fearful of interfering with God's work. God is doing something in Mary that is beyond, you know, this is, this is extraordinary. It's, it's a once, once in, a, in the universe. This will never happen again. 
This only happens once, Hmm. that God becomes man in the womb of a virgin. And so he's going to, to divorce her quietly and step back so that he's not in the way because the Messiah is to be born of the virgin. And um, according to you know, the, the popes, Joseph was able to discern this, that he has on his hands the, the virgin of Isaiah and that his fear is that he's interfering with God's plan. And so he wants to graciously bow out but without exposing her to shame because if he divorces her publicly then it's going to be assumed that she is an adulteress mm, and then she will be stoned yeah. if he bows out quietly mm-hmm. all the shame falls on him because everybody's going to assume that her child is his what a rotten no good guy he walked out gets her pregnant and walks out on her how could he do such a thing and so all the opprobrium will fall on Joseph. But then when, it, you know, in Joseph's mind, then when it comes time to witness to her virginity, he can give that witness. No, he's not my child and she's not an adulteress. This is the virgin of Isaiah. And so Joseph, this is his dilemma. And it, of course, it's a great trial for Joseph because he's very much in love with Mary and she's the most beautiful woman in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be betrothed to Mary was a great, great gift. And you know, what is he going to do? He's going to, he's, he's, he's going to take the hit. Basically. He's going to take the hit and he's not going to um, expose her to anything, but he's going to remain the witness of the virgin. Mm-hmm. And, and then of course the angel comes to him in a dream to solve his dilemma, which is, you know, in the scriptures, people don't just appear out of nowhere. Joseph of the old Testament, who was able to interpret dreams, what is a, is a prefigurement of Joseph of the new Testament. And, and we have Joseph in the Old Testament is the Pharaoh makes him the Lord of his house and the ruler of all his possessions, which is why the church has declared Joseph patron of the, of the universal church, St. Joseph, because Jesus Christ would have made him in heaven the Lord of his house and the ruler of all his possessions because he's fulfilling the type that was seen in the Old Testament. So we have this beautiful, beautiful relationship, actually, that goes between Mary and Joseph. They have a true marriage. And in that true marriage, they have, they share their goods, which means that Mary's prerogatives are shared by Joseph Mm. and her graces. Joseph gets to participate in those. And the greatest grace, of course, that Joseph is participating in is to be with Mary, walking with Mary, to to be the guardian of the Redeemer. Mm. He is the one who will guard the Redeemer and the Virgin, he will walk beside her and they will be the ones responsible for raising Jesus in his human life. And, and this, this love that exists within this family is truly a perfect image of the love of the Trinity where each one is concerned for the good of the other. And of course, they put Joseph and Mary are putting themselves at the service of God's salvific work. This is the greatness of St. Joseph. I really appreciate that, Mary. I think of for a man, you know, guardian of the Redeemer, we're the guardian of our family. Right. And I also love the title. My favorite title for St. Joseph is a Terror of Demons, because from what exorcists have told us, they fear St. Joseph. Right. And because of his role with the Holy Family, he has quite a bit of power. And I would just encourage all of our listeners to pick up Father Don Calloway's book, 33 Days of Consecration to St. Joseph, 
because that book will help you get to know St. Joseph in a more intimate way, and it'll also help you get closer to Jesus and Mary. Amen. Amen. And so I also encourage you to read Pope Leo's encyclical on St. Joseph, which mm. you can look up online. It's very short. It was actually, it's just like a, yeah. it's about five pages. And it's just, um, he talks about Joseph. He talks about her, his relationship to Mary. He talks about, um, you know, how Joseph is close to Mary and Jesus, the closest one on earth to Mary and Jesus. And so in heaven, he is going to be the greatest saint next to Mary. This is what Pope Leo is telling us. He's the greatest saint next to the Blessed Virgin Mary because he was the closest one to the Redeemer on earth. And so we have this beautiful, beautiful, and at the end of that encyclical, the Holy Father gave us a prayer to St. Joseph. Mm -hmm. Pope Leo composed a prayer to St. Joseph, and it's a prayer that he encouraged the faithful to say every single day, which would be a great prayer for everyone to say during this year of St. Joseph every day. And you can get that also at the... um, opussanctorumangelorum.org. They have it. It's the, the, the daily prayer to St. Joseph that was composed by Pope Leo XIII. Wow. When we come back, we'll get you more. That's one of the action items for the year of St. Joseph, saying that prayer, among other things, we'll get to the Bible with the Barbers. We'll be right back. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So welcome back. And what's what's really beautiful, I mean, we just, there's so much about St. Joseph. It's funny, there's not, Joseph doesn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> he never says anything. Talk about a quiet man here. You yeah. know? The original quiet man here. Right. Not John Wayne. <laughs> no, no, it was, yeah, this is the original quiet man here. Um, but Joseph is, he has such a huge role here. Not just, okay, at the, we have the Annunciation account here that we've looked at, that how, how Joseph found out about Mary's pregnancy, what it was. He has, the Lord leaves him with this darkness, this dilemma that he has to work through. And then the Lord solves it for him and shows him the way he wants him to walk. And then they have to, once, you know, the birth of the child is going to come, it's time for the child to be born. Now Caesar Augustus demands a census and they have to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It's about a 90-mile journey. Mary's nine months pregnant. And they make that journey. And then after Bethlehem, of course, they have you know the shepherds come and worship Jesus, and the, the Magi come and worship Jesus, and Joseph, they, they have J- J- Jesus circumcised on the eighth day. They present him to the temple on the 40th day. And then Herod has plans to kill the child. And Joseph has to flee by night. The angel tells him again, and the angel always comes to Joseph in a dream, get up at once and take Mary and the child and go into Egypt. And he, in the middle of the night, he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't wait. And this is the obedience of Joseph is prompt. It is, is, it's immediate. And, and his discernment is so keen that he recognizes the voice of God immediately. He knows this dream is from God. He gets up immediately. He takes the child into Egypt. And he remains there. And again, when it's time to bring the child back, he, the angel comes in a dream and he brings the child back. And then when he was going, apparently going to go to Bethlehem, because as they're coming back to, their, to, to Israel, he gets another dream. And the angel says, don't go to Bethlehem, go back to Nazareth. Mm. Because Herod's, Herod had died after the slaughter of the innocents. King Herod had died, but his son 
was in it had the region there of around Jerusalem and and it was um he lived there and they, the angel said it you know in other words because of Herod's son you need to not live in Bethlehem go back to Nazareth so they went up to Nazareth they lived this hidden life and we don't see anything of him again until Jesus is 12 years old <laughs> when Joseph and Mary bring him to the temple for the Passover and um, probably would have celebrated his bar mitzvah his coming of age and then um, again, Joseph is so silent. Joseph and Mary leave in Jerusalem. I said, well, how could they have possibly left him behind? Right? I mean, they're, they're uh, what do you call it? <laughs> Conscientious parents. Yeah. How could they, po- they're perfect parents. How could they possibly have left him behind? Well, because it was all in God's plan. And so they leave. And, but see, Jesus could have traveled either with Joseph or with Mary. Mary travels with the women in the caravan. Joseph travels with the men. At the end of the day, then the families come together. And so Mary and Joseph find, and of course, they both are looking. Joseph is looking among all the men for Jesus throughout the day because Jesus isn't with him. So he wants to make sure, is he with the friends? Is he with the neighbors? Is he, you know? Sure. And Mary's doing the same thing. They're searching for him among their relatives and friends. So at the end of the day, when they come together and, you know, Jesus is not with Joseph and he's not with, and, you know, and they each see that, no, he's and he's not with us. He's not with what happened. And and it would have been very difficult. It would have been a real trial. There's a beautiful book by a Reverend Raymond. He was a Jesuit turned Trappist. And um he talks about it's called God, a woman in the way. Mm-hmm. And he talks about this it's the on the seven sorrows of our lady. Yeah. God, a woman in the way. It's about the seven sorrows of our lady. And, and he talks about this, what it would have been for Mary to lose Jesus and for Joseph also. He's the guardian. He's the guardian. And, and he's got, I failed. I've utterly failed. Now, he doesn't spend his time beating himself up. He spends his time searching for Jesus. And at the end of the day, when they realize he's not with them, they sleep and they go back to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. They've already traveled a day, so they have to go back a day. And on the third day, they come upon him in the temple. And it's interesting. Joseph is not the one who speaks to Jesus. Right. It's Mary. But in a very important point that I didn't talk about yet is that the angel tells Joseph, he, first of all, he does two things. He identifies Joseph as the son of David. By, and the fathers of the church say that by doing this, the angel is informing him, you are, the, you are the critical link to David's line for this child. You are the critical link to David's line for this child. So he's linked to David through you, Joseph. And then... He tells them, and you shall call his name Jesus. And um, who was it? Saint, I had it here. I think I turned the page. Saint John Chrysostom, I believe it was, addressing himself to Joseph says, Christ's conception was the work of the Holy Spirit. But do not think this divine economy has nothing to do with you. For although it is true that you had no part in the generation of Christ and that the virgin remained inviolate, nevertheless, what pertains to a father not injuring the honor of virginity, that do I give you, the naming of the child, for you shall call his name Jesus. Although you have not generated him, you will act as a father to him. Hence it is that beginning with giving him his name, I associate you intimately with the one who is to be born. So Joseph has this from God. This is, this is his mission from God. And so 
he's there's a lot there i mean you you have the the flight into egypt you have there's other words it's not there's a lot to think about about what joseph for the first you know at, at least until jesus is 12 years old and and joseph is teaching jesus how to be a carpenter how to mm-hmm. work how to live as a man in in this world and and you know it's funny cuz you know when when somebody's when your father and you watch how your father walks. Mm-hmm. And when you work with your father, you watch the way he does things. Yep. You mimic. And Jesus must have done things the way Joseph did them. Of course. Them. That's where he picked it up. He looked like his mother because <laughs> he had all his DNA 100%. from his mother. <laughs> but, but, but he must have acted and had the mannerisms of his father. Yeah. And so this just this beautiful mystery of what God does. God uses human beings to carry out his work. And Joseph is one of those human beings. And so now... Because of his closeness to the Lord, and this is so important, this, yes, the church has to bring forth, she has to flesh out, and Pope Leo, this isn't the first time, we had a list here, and one of the, mm-hmm. Terry printed out some things for me, of, of, the, of the, um, the different pronouncements oh, by the yeah, church yeah, yeah. Like in the last hundred years, well, hundred and some yeah, years. 150 years ago is when he was named Universal. So about patron. 150 years ago, he's named patron of the, of the Universal Church. And then, I'm sorry, I we'll mixed, get it. We'll get mixed it. up all my notes here. See if we can find this it's so there. I can go through this list very quickly here for you. While she's getting that, I just want to throw something in, Mary, about indulgences, okay? While you're yes, checking very on that. Good. very good. Uh, the church is granting a plenary indulgence for the year of St. Joseph. And as it's the occasion of that 150th anniversary of the proclamation of St. Joseph as the patron of the Universal Church, as well as the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Now, here's what's interesting. The plenary indulgence is granted for the faithful under the usual (coughs) conditions. Number one, sacramental confession, Eucharistic communion, prayer for the Pope's intention to Christians who, with a spirit detached from any sin, right, participate in the year of St. Joseph on these occasions in manner indicated by the apostolic plenary. The plenary indulgence is granted to those who meditate, check this out, for at least 30 minutes on the Lord's Prayer or take part in spiritual readings or at least one day that includes a meditation on St. Joseph. Mm. Now, St. Joseph, the authentic man of faith, invites us, the decree reads, to rediscover our filial relationship with the Father. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. To renew fidelity to prayer and to listen to correspond with profound discernment of God's holy will you found what you're looking for i found what i was looking for. i'll let this go then so this is this is what we're what we want to see is the church has been bringing saint joseph forth now mm-hmm. in 1870 blessed pope pius IX declared saint joseph the universal patron of the church in 1879 at knock ireland saint joseph appears with the blessed virgin mary saint john the apostle and jesus when jesus appears as the lamb of god if you know about the, the, the vision at knock Jesus is the lamb on the altar. John is dressed as a priest, mm-hmm. but the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph are there. So you have this beautiful, beautiful and, and again, there were, there were no words said in this apparition. <laughs> Father McCurry used to joke, yeah, the, the reason Jesus, Jesus and Mary couldn't say anything is because the Irish were too busy talking and they couldn't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> the Irish can joke about themselves. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and then you have in 1889, Pope Leo the 13th wrote that, Quam quam pluries, mm-hmm. the encyclical letter on Saint Joseph, and in 1908, Saint Luigi Guanali begins 
construction of a church dedicated to St. Joseph in Rome. Mm -hmm. It is completed and consecrated as a basilica in 1912. In 1917 at Fatima in Portugal, and these, this is an approved apparition. Knock is an approved apparition. Fatima is an approved apparition. On October 13th, St. Joseph appeared holding the baby Jesus, and he was blessing the world. Mm. St. Joseph is blessing the world. In 1921, Pope Benedict XV inserted the phrase, Blessed be St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse, into the divine praises. Mm. In 1955, Venerable Pope Pius XII established the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker to be celebrated on May 1st. In 1989, St. John Paul II wrote The Guardian of the Redeemer, his encyclical letter on St. Joseph. And in 2013, Pope Francis, echoing... And fulfilling the intentions of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, inserted the name of St. Joseph into all the Eucharistic prayers. And he also consecrates mm. Vatican City State to St. Joseph. So in, in 2013, the Vatican City State was consecrated to St. Joseph. And his name was, in, his name was already in the Roman canon. Yeah. His name was already in the Roman. But it now is inserted to all the Eucharistic prayers. And so the church has been, and now the church has declared this year of St. Joseph. That's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting. The year of St. Joseph. When we come back, we'll give you more to meditate on the life of St. Joseph, the patron of the universal church. And he's the patron of us here at Virgin Most Powerful also. We can't do it without St. Joseph. We'll be back with more on the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, welcome back. And so Terry and I have been talking about St. Joseph and some of the um, graces the church is granting us during this year of St. Joseph. And um, the plenary indulgence is granted to those who meditate for at least 30 minutes on the Lord's Prayer or take part in a spiritual retreat of at least one day. That includes a meditation on St. Joseph. So if you go on retreat, it only has to be a one-day retreat, but... It could be longer, but at least one conference should be on St. Joseph. Okay. St. Joseph, an authentic man of faith, invites us to rediscover our filial relationship with the Father, to renew fidelity to prayer, to listen and correspond with the profound discernment to God's will. And I know Terry read that, but I thought it was worth repeating. Okay. So it can also be, a, you can get the, the plenary indulgence also in other ways. Um, following St. Joseph's example, if we we perform a spiritual or corporal work of mercy. St. Joseph was a man of prayer and he was a man of great charity. So the spiritual and corporal works of mercy, of mercy, spiritual and corporal works of mercy. <laughs> Thank you. St. Joseph encourages us to rediscover the value of silence, prudence and loyalty in carrying out our duty. One of the things we talked about already in the show and, and how silent St. Joseph was in his lifetime. There are no words recorded in the gospel that St. Joseph said. He just, he's obedient. He does, doesn't tell us what he's, the only thing that tells us what he's thinking is when he had decided to divorce Mary quietly, 
in order not to, to, because he doesn't think she's committed adultery. He doesn't want to expose her to shame because he's, she's not an adulteress and he knows that. So he has discerned that. And so um, he doesn't want to expose her to shame. And so, but he doesn't say, nothing is said. There's nothing recorded in the gospel that he said. He simply, he makes his resolve. And then the angel comes and says, no, Joseph, you are to be her spouse. You are to be her husband and you are to be the guardian of this child. And you are to name him. You are to be his, truly his father. You, will, you are the one who has the, the fatherly authority over him because you give him his name. So um, there were some, Terry found some things online. Welcome to the year of St. Joseph, January 1st. Um, to December, it says here, January 1st to December 31st, 2021. I'm not sure if it starts on January 1st or I believe, I thought it already started. But anyway, um, so you had the bishop, um, uh, Joseph Ju- Jugis, I'm not how to say his name. He's the Diocese of Charlotte. Okay, so J-U-G-I-S. And so he's, he's giving some ideas of what you can do. So begin the year of St. Joseph with a special intention for his intercession, for which you will offer your prayers and St. Joseph devotion throughout the year. So we'll ask St. Joseph's intercession continuously throughout this year, and, and we will be, have a special devotion to him. Let's meditate on the passages of Scripture that talk about St. Joseph. And you can meditate on the Old Testament prefigurement, Joseph of Egypt, and, and, and then how, you know, he, St. Joseph of Nazareth fulfills the, the prefigurement. Okay, learn about St. Joseph's virtues and try to imitate them. Again, read Guardian of the Redeemer by St. John Paul II and read Pope Leo XIII's encyclical letter on St. Joseph that was written in um, the late 1800s there. And then uh, participate in the 33-day consecration to St. Joseph. We have this beautiful book by Father Donald Calloway on St. Joseph, and that would be a wonderful way also for many people to get that book and, and go ahead and read that and then do the 33-day consecration to St. Joseph. Pray the Holy Rosary daily, reciting the year of St. Joseph prayer at its conclusion. And I'm going to devoutly try and recite that prayer with you now before the end of this show because I want everybody to hear it once. But you can find this if you go online, you go to the Vatican website and then look for the encyclical of Pope Leo XIII on St. Joseph. And this is the prayer that St. That Leo wrote. And just listen and pray with me now. We make this intention for the year of St. Joseph and we ask the angels to remind us to pray this prayer every day. St. Joseph has been declared the patron of the universal church. And by the way, there is a litany to St. Joseph. He's the terror of demons, the guardian of the virgin, the guardian of the redeemer. Beautiful, beautiful titles of who he is. Renowned offspring of David, you know. Okay. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. To thee, O blessed Joseph, we have recourse in our affliction. And having implored the help of thy thrice holy spouse, we now, with hearts filled with confidence, earnestly beg thee also to take us under thy protection. By that charity, wherewith thou wert united to the Immaculate Virgin Mother of God, and by that fatherly love with which thou didst cherish the child, Jesus, we beseech thee and we humbly pray that thou wilt look 
down with gracious eyes upon that inheritance which Jesus Christ purchased by his blood and will succor us in our need by thy power and strength. Defend, O most watchful guardian of the Holy Family, the chosen offspring of Jesus Christ. Keep from us, O most loving Father, all blight of error and corruption. Aid us from on high, most valiant defender, in this conflict with the powers of darkness. And even as of old, thou didst rescue the child Jesus from the peril of his life. So now defend God's holy church from the snares of the enemy and from all adversity. Shield us ever under thy patronage that following thine example and strength by thy help, we may live a holy life die a happy death, and attain to everlasting bliss in heaven. Amen. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. Amen. So we want to develop this relationship with Joseph. We want to come to know who he is. You know, when we look at the saints, we're not ignoring God, and we're not insulting God. You see, In the scriptures, it says, I will praise these godly men, our ancestors. And in the midst of the assembly, I will tell their praises. And that's a reading that the church actually uses um, on the feast of St. Joachim and Anne, which is July 26th. And if I can find this real quickly, I can tell you what um, book of the Bible that's from. So when we talk about the saints, when we look at their virtues, we're not saying, oh, these people were so good and so holy. They're more than God. They're they're taking away from God. They're, they're, They're more important than God. No, we're saying God has done this in these people, okay? God has done these marvelous things in these people. And we're praising the Lord God for the works that he has accomplished in them. We acknowledge that the saints All of their graces and merits come from the Lord God, okay? All of their their merits, all their virtues come from the Lord God. And it's from the book of Sirach, chapter 44, verse 1, and then verse 10 through 15. It's used on the Feast of Saints Joachim and Anne, which is July 26th. And so it is not wrong. The scriptures itself says that we are to praise these godly men. Okay, and even in the midst of the assembly, we are to tell their praises. Okay, now I will praise these godly men, our ancestors, each in his own time. These were godly men whose virtues have not been forgotten. Their wealth remains in their families, their heritage with their descendants. Through God, covenants with them, through God's covenant with them, their family endures their posterity, their posterity for their sake. And for all time, their progeny will endure. Their glory will never be blotted out. Their bodies are peacefully laid away, but their name lives on and on. At gatherings, their wisdom is retold and the assembly proclaims their praises. Again, that's from Sirach 44, verse one, and then verses 10 through 15. This is the word of the Lord. And it's telling us, Now, when we honor the saints, we're not taking away from God. We're glorifying God for the work that he's done. 
So the church is asking us now to look at St. Joseph and look at the role that God gave him to play in salvation history. Okay, St. Joseph, the guardian of the Redeemer. He is the one who is the spouse of the Virgin and the guardian of the Redeemer. He is the greatest saint in heaven next to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mary is the mother of God, and St. Joseph was his guardian. So when he lived on earth, St. Joseph was his guardian. So we want to meditate on this and think about this. We can adopt St. Joseph traditions into your prayer life and family life. For instance, um, the tradition of saying the litany of St. Joseph or the tradition of meditating on the joys and the sorrows of St. Joseph. And those are, um, I know in their, the daily Roman Missal has those in them and you can find them in other prayer books. You know, there's the seven sorrows of Our Lady, that there are lady her sorrows and there's the the sorrows and the joys of saint joseph he has these great joys the joy of being betrothed to mary but then when he discovers his pregnancy there's this great sorrow that he's afraid that he might have to separate from her this most beautiful woman in the world and so you know again when he presents jesus in the temple there's this great joy but then he hears simeon's prophecy to mary that a sword is going to pierce her soul and <sighs> the sword is piercing his soul so amidst these great joys, you know, the joy of the birth of Jesus, and, but he has to fly into Egypt to protect the child from being killed. So this beautiful, beautiful mystery of, you know, joy and sorrow woven together in, in the plan of God to work redemption in us. God is working his redemption in us. And, you know, God is the divine economy he didn't reveal the fullness of who he was. He doesn't reveal himself as a trinity in fullness until his son becomes man. Okay, and so for the history of the Jews, they, they understood God is one, and God was very insistent. God is one. The Lord your God is one God. And so, but, but eventually God will, but he reveals, he doesn't want them to get the pagan idea that there are many gods. And so he gradually brings his children up to be able to accept the full revelation of who he is. And our hour is coming to an end. So look online, see what your diocese might be doing to honor St. Joseph this year. Do something in your own family. When you meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, the joyful mysteries in particular, bring forth Joseph's role in all of this. The Annunciation, the Visitation, the birth of Jesus, his presentation in the temple, the finding of Jesus in the temple. So have St. Joseph as a prominent part of your life not just for this year, but going forward now in our lives as Christians. We want to bring the fullness of Joseph forward to understand who he is and what it is God did in him. We praise God for the works he does in his saints. We give glory to him, all honor and glory to God. We thank him for St. Joseph. I encourage you to look up those encyclicals that I mentioned, the Guardian of the Redeemer, and then Pope Leo XIII's encyclical on St. Joseph, and get that prayer to St. Joseph from Pope Leo. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. We hope to see you again next week. Same time, same station.